Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 327 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Nadal's Guide to Tennis Happiness. And what we'll be doing today is taking some direct quotes from Rafael Nadal that were given at his post-match press conference after he won the U.S. Open just a couple days ago. I'm recording this on, what is today? On uh, Wednesday. So just a couple days after, it was an incredible match. Amazing for Medvedev to, to pull it to five sets. And almost just as amazing for Nadal to actually come up winning it after losing the third and the fourth set. And so he gives a lot of incredible insights and just it's a quick 11 minute press conference after the match, but there are four quotes that I'm pulling from it. And I'm just going to give a few thoughts about each one. Really, for the most part, I'm going to let his words kind of do the talking here, but I am going to just kind of boil it down a little bit and give you my take on why I feel like his mindset and his mentality is such a huge contributing factor to his success and how we can mimic that same kind of mindset and be more happy on the courts, be more fulfilled, be more successful, and maybe kind of redefine a little bit what success means and what it means to be successful for us on the tennis court as amateur athletes. Before we get to those four quotes really quickly, a couple recent reviews on the iTunes Music Store, which is the, the main place where people find podcasts. Just want to give a shout out and thank you to the Reverend Jimmy and also 777Toad. Thank you both for the, the recent rating and review. Appreciate both of you very much. And all of you over the years who've left ratings and, and reviews on iTunes really means a lot to me and helps the show keep moving forward. So again, this is in the press room at the U.S. Open, just a few minutes after the the match this past Sunday. I'll read you some of the the questions, just for context. Then I'm going to read you Nadal's response. I wish I could do a great Nadal impersonation and do the the Spanish accent, but I can't do that. So I'm going to just read directly kind of the quote from him. I'm sure you can kind of imagine his his delivery. And so... um, Let's just go ahead and jump right into it. So the the first question here, a journalist asked, Danny said that at 2-3 in the third set after Nadal won the first and second, he was thinking what speech he would make after he lost. <laughs> so Danny said, uh, Medvedev said after the match that he was already planning his his speech down 2-3 in the third set, even though he won the third and the fourth, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the third and the fourth set, he thought he was going to lose. At any point, did you think that it was going to, go, going to go the wrong way for you? And Nadal clarifies. He says, if I thought I was going to lose? And the reporter says, yes. And Nadal says, of course, when you have breakpoint against in the beginning of the fifth, losing the last two sets, you're in trouble. But I really try to avoid this thought. I always believe that I'm going to, have, I'm going to keep having chances. That's the way that I approach. Of course, I was in trouble. But I played not a very good game at 3-2 in the third set. In that moment, things looked like it was under control and he was going to win the match in three. But then Medvedev increased a lot and changed a lot of things. So I've talked about this on the show many times in the past. And this is going to be probably one of the shorter 
kind of commentary as I have right here, but I think it's unbelievably revealing and human and frankly refreshing that Nadal says here, yeah, of course, like things were going really badly and I don't want to have those thoughts. I don't like to have those thoughts, but it's, it's only natural. And I'm, I've edited some of this, by the way, just to, to keep things moving. But he said in a different part of the interview that it's it's only human, that you're going to have those doubts and you're going to have those thoughts. And it's critical for you listening that you understand that all players, I don't care how what the level of play is, what the level of accomplishment is, even if you're one of the greatest players to ever play the game, we all have those negative thoughts and we have that self-doubt. And it's a natural part of competition you will not be doing yourself any favors by trying to push away those thoughts or pretend that they aren't there or trick yourself into believing that you only have positive thoughts, only positive thoughts. That's not reality. We're not robots. We're not machines. We have positive thoughts. We have negative thoughts. We have neutral thoughts. And the reason why Nadal is so great and so many champions are so great is because he focuses on the task at hand. He said, I'm going to keep having chances. And he knows that that's the case. No matter how big of a lead he's just blown, how bad things look, he's going to have opportunities. And so by focusing on the task at hand right in front of himself, instead of ruminating on the past and being upset and angry and pouting or being fearful of the future and focusing on that, he's just staying present-minded. And that is an unbelievably important lesson for all of us to learn and continue to, to work on and develop. All right, next question from a journalist was, now you have these 19 majors. For fans, the race is very special. He's talking about the the Grand Slam race. Uh, Federer now has 20, Nadal has 19, Djokovic has 16. Talk about your winning your 19th and the competition competition between the three of you. He's talking about uh, between Rafa and Roger and Novak. Here's Nadal's answer. It's a little bit longer one. I don't look at it that way. I always say the same. I would love to be the one who wins more Grand Slams, but I'm not thinking and I'm not going to practice every day. Uh, I'm not playing tennis for that reason. I'm playing tennis because I love to play tennis. I can't just think about Grand Slams, no? Tennis is more than Grand Slams. I need to think about the rest of the things. I play to be happy. Of course, the road... I'm sorry, of course, the victory of today makes me super happy. But a few weeks ago, I won in Montreal, and I, that's been an important moment for me too. I feel honored to be part of this battle, but I repeat the same. You can't be all day looking next to you about if one is having more or one is having less because you will be frustrated. All the things that I've achieved in my career are much more than what I ever thought that I would ever dream. I would love to be the one who has more Grand Slams, yes, but I really believe that I will not be happier or less happy if that happens or does not happen. What gives you the happiness is the personal satisfaction that you give your best, that you've given your best. In that way, I'm very, very calm, very pleased with myself. This is such an unbelievable quote. And for me, the bottom line here, the, the mindset and the wisdom behind this is so incredible and is something that I, I'm so happy that, that Rafa articulated this. And he was so quick to 
essentially correct this journalist who's saying, oh, you're in this this epic competition with Roger and with Novak to, to see who can get the most Grand Slams. And Rafa is saying, no, 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 no. I, I'm not, that, that's not my purpose. That's not my goal. That's not what makes me happy. This is one of my favorite tennis quotes of all time where he says, I am playing tennis because I love to play tennis. That is such an incredible quote. If you've been following this podcast for any length of time, you know how much I, I really admire and appreciate that perspective. But the bottom line here is, is Rafa is not looking to his results to determine his level of happiness. And he says that very, very directly directly here, that whether it happens or if it doesn't happen, he's not going to be any happier or any less happy. What makes him happy is this the personal satisfaction that he's given his best. And so much easier said than done. We're, we're all trained, in, in particular, you know, in the West, here in America. We're, we're, it's just absolutely crammed down our throats that winning is happy and losing is sad. <laughs> and there can't possibly anything, there can't be possibly anything to console you in that moment where you've blown a lead or you've lost to Sally, who's uh, on the team below you, or whatever the situation is. When we have that disappointing result, I'm not saying that, I don't think Rafa here is saying that he wouldn't be disappointed in a loss, right? I mean, that's he, he plays to compete, he plays to win, that's what he wants to do every time he steps out onto the court, and he's not satisfied with a loss in the small picture. But in the big picture, when he looks at his career, he's not defining himself by the number of grand slams. He knows that he can be satisfied if he's given every ounce of energy that he has to give, that he can walk off the court, he can be proud, he can be happy with himself, he can feel fulfilled, because he couldn't do any better than that. He understands there are variables outside of his control. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But his focus here is on doing what he loves and what makes him happy. And winning matches, winning tournaments, winning slams for Rafa is just a byproduct of that. It's just a natural result. It's not the focus. It's the results of what happens as he focuses on what he loves to do and on what makes him happy. So I would admonish you, please play tennis because you love to play tennis. And if you're going to train hard on the courts, train hard because you love to train hard. And if you're going to change your serve or your forehand, change your technique because you love to improve, because you love the process of challenging yourself, pushing yourself, leaving your comfort zone, doing things a little bit better today than you did yesterday. Make that what you optimize for, not whether or not you win your ladder match or you get bumped up or you get bumped down or whatever the result is that's right in front of you. Make it instead, make your focus be on the action of being there and giving everything that you have to give. I thought that quote from Rafa was just incredible. All right, moving on to the third one. Again, a journalist here talking. Talking about age, we saw you play serve and volley here from time to time. Talk a bit about how you developed and changed your game according to age. Can you imagine to be out there in three or four years like Roger is still here? He's referencing, you know, Roger is 38 years old, I believe, and Rafa is 
33. So, so Rogers, you know, four or five years older. And this journalist is basically, basically asking Rafa to comment on how it would make him feel if he was still playing when he was Rogers' age, who's four or five years further down the road. Now, uh, here's Rafa's direct quote. I don't think about that. I just think about a shorter period of time because you can't predict what's going to happen in this life. This world and this life changes like this. You need to be prepared for accepting everything. Today is the day to enjoy. I did this during my career. If not, I will not be able to be where I am today with all the injuries that I had. No, I need to adapt my, my game to my problems and to my goals. That's what I did all of my career. Just try to improve the things that I need to improve because on the way you lose things that you had. When you lose things, you need to add another thing to keep being competitive. And again, this is, I love that Rafa is, is just, you know, in a very, you know, Rafa obviously very like kind of meek and like soft-spoken and generally in like press conferences and, but he's in a Rafa type way, kind of laying the smack down here and in both, in answering both of the last two questions immediately just saying, no, that's not how I, that's not how I think about it. In the previous question, he said, I don't look at it that way. And so he's taking, these journalists are trying to write, you know, this epic story. And that's their job, is to find the drama, to find the story, to find that little hook that makes it interesting to read and makes it dramatic. And Rafa is just completely waving it away and saying, that's not, that is not my focus. His goal is not to be like Roger Federer. His goal is not even to have necessarily the longevity that Roger has. He knows that he's a different person. He has a different body. He has a different game. There are different demands on him than there are on Roger and vice versa. So for me, the lesson here from Rafa very clearly is that you should have a narrow focus instead of a wide focus. And kind of going back to his mentality before, uh, in the, the first quote about uh, not being concerned about what happened previously or what's going to happen in the future, but just focus on, on the chances that he knows he's going to continue to have. He's focusing on what's in front of him right now. He's not thinking about three years from now. He's not regretting the past. I, I'm sure he could do that, of course. Like, look at his career. He's taken long stretches of time away from the game to have to rehabilitate his body. It could probably be very easy. Just put yourself in his shoes for a minute. All that time spent away from the game because of his chosen style of play. You don't think that at some point it occurred to him, you know, wait, maybe if I changed my game and I played different and I tried to develop different strengths and, and you know, tried to change things up a little bit. He's not sitting there regretting the past. And he's also not sitting there saying, oh, no, what's going to happen if I don't play as, as long as Roger does? Instead, he's choosing to just focus on what's happening right now. Because as he said, again, quoting Rafa, this world and this life changes like this. You need to be prepared to accept anything. And so Rafa is choosing to focus his mental energy on what he can control. Roger is Roger. And Nadal can't control if he plays as long as Roger or not is the bottom line. And so for the rest of us, you know, we, we're, we're going to have our struggles with injury too. I mean, we're only human. Our bodies are going to occasionally give us problems. We're going to sometimes have 
really serious injuries that are going to really demand a tremendous amount of patience and, and pain and suffering and, and effort to work through. And what Rafa, I believe, is saying here is that we just have to take those things as they come. And looking way ahead down the road doesn't really accomplish anything. In fact, it pulls your attention away from what you can do right now to try to give yourself the best opportunity to do the best you can with your game. Problems will arise. They will come up, but they will not be solved if your focus is not on the present. All right, that's number three. Moving on to the fourth and final quote here. Uh, Journalist, again, I'm quoting uh, somebody in the press room. There is a long way to become world number one for the fifth time. Uh, And just to give you context here, Rafa, I don't even know what his... Uh, ranking is right now uh, Rafa Nadal ranking. I mean, look it up really quickly. Uh, Nadal right now he's 600 points behind Djokovic, and ba- basically what this journalist is saying is there's a chance by the end of the year. You know, there's no more slams, obviously. There's a, a couple events, but not ones that Rafa would necessarily play all of them because he's at an age now where he needs to start taking care of himself and being selective about what tournaments he plays. This journalist is saying, Hey, look, if you play all these tournaments the rest of the year, you might be able to be number one for the fifth time. And uh, now I'm continuing to quote here. How much does it still mean to you that you're able to compete for such an accomplishment at this age? And Nadal again, kind of laying the Nadal smackdown. Here's a uh, quoting Rafa. I don't compete for it. I just do my way. If I'm able to be number one doing my way, great. But I always say the same. Today, it is not my main goal. Of course, it's great to be in that fight. But for me personally, it's not really a fight. I just try to be competitive the weeks that I need to compete or the weeks that I want to compete. With my age and with my goals, I cannot lose energy or time to follow the number one. I need to think about my career in a different way. For me, my main goal is to play as long as possible and compete, being competitive. Sometimes you need to follow, uh, I'm sorry, sometimes you need to follow the number one. If you do follow it, you're going to lose years of your career. But I am there. If I'm able to play well uh, until the end of the season, I'm going to have my chances. That's going to be amazing. But I always say the same. It is not my goal today. And this, for me, is such a perfect mindset and a perfect quote for so many of us that become fixated on the number next to our name. <laughs> and hopefully that clicks for you immediately. And again, I'm, I think especially here in the U.S., there's such an emphasis on rating and ranking and like what what number, what qualitative uh, measurement is next to my name that tells me what kind of person I am, what kind of player I am, uh, what what can I tell other people about me and say, oh, I'm a I'm a four point five or whatever whatever the rating is next to your name. Do not get caught up in playing for the number next to your name. Rafa has the opportunity to grab the biggest number in the entire world of the game of tennis. He has right in front of himself, in his grasp, the ability to be number one, have a number one next to his name, signifying there is no other tennis player better than him on planet Earth. 
And he's saying, I don't compete for that. I just want to play my game the way that I know that I can play. Because remember, what did he say earlier? That's what I love. I, I love playing tennis just to play tennis. And it doesn't make him any more happy uh, to have the number of grand slams next to him be any higher. Of course, he'd be thrilled to win another slam, another two, three, four slams, whatever. Of course, it would be a thrilling accomplishment. But that's not the core root motivator. That is not the thing that's driving him to walk out onto the court because he understands that if he would make that a fixation, if he would make the number one ranking his ultimate goal, if he would make the Grand Slam race his ultimate goal, then it would lead to frustration. It would lead to being unhappy because there's so many other things, outside influences, outside variables, not to mention the whole rest of the planet, all the tennis players on the whole rest of the planet that are trying to beat him every single time that he steps out onto the court. And so making those be his ultimate goal would be a recipe for unhappiness. And Rafa understands that. And so the bottom line is you should play tennis because you love to play tennis, not for the social acceptance after you win or for your ego because everybody gets to see you walk off the court, the the champion or the victor, or because of your rating being higher than your peers and you want them all to look up to you and and view you as, you know, the the smart, savvy tennis player that knows everything and can hit all the shots solidly. Those are all s- satisfying things. And it's kind of a um a paradox that if you fix your gaze on those things, then you'll take shortcuts. If you fix your gaze on those ultimate results, then it takes your focus off of the things you can control that ultimately result in those things happening. Rafa's focus is squarely on the present and on the things that he can control. He can't control the other players or the match conditions or the draw that gets put together or a million other things that could keep him from being world number one, no matter how much effort he puts in. Remember, How does he quantify his happiness? By knowing that he put in every ounce of energy he had. Knowing that he tried the best that he could is what makes him satisfied and what makes him happy. Is this easier said than done? Yes. I can tell you that from experience. I've been in in a miserable place with my tennis before. And it was because I was focused on all the opposite things that Rafa is talking about. I was focused on the number next to my game, next to my name. I was focused on what position I was on the team. I was focused on whether I won or lost. Every little drill and every little competitive game and every match, if there was a loss or there was a, a step backwards or there was a, a stumble, I was upset. And it got to such a granular point that every individual miss felt bad. And you can't play tennis with that kind of mentality. You cannot sustain a tennis career as an amateur player or a professional player where every miss is a failure that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel upset or frustrated. And so hopefully it's clear to you, reading through all these quotes, that Rafa's mindset and Rafa's focus is is very different than that. And it's so commendable for somebody in his position who has accomplished and achieved so much. It'd be so easy for him to say, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at the numbers. Look at the, look at the rankings. Look at the, the grand slams. 
But he, at every turn, is choosing to say, no, that's not what's important. And so this, I believe, is why he continues to be such a force to be reckoned with. It's, I, I believe, the secret to his longevity in spite of the frustrating injuries that he's had to deal with. And I think it's extremely commendable, something that I'm personally aspiring to every time I walk out onto the court. And it's something I hope you aspire to as well. Because I know if you do, even if you just make a small move in that direction, you will be more happy. You will be more fulfilled on the court. And that's my ultimate goal for you. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.